0: Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pick up your Word this morning, and uh, we're going to share just a few minutes. I might go a few minutes after 12, if that's all right. Um, We are going through a series called The Transforming Word, and we're using a textbook by Richard Foster. The title of that textbook is what David just showed. Maybe if you wouldn't mind throwing that back up on the screen for me. It's called Life with God, Reading the Bible for Spiritual Transformation, And uh, I am getting my world rocked in in a lot of ways. I feel like I'm being born again, all over again. And I really do encourage you, if you haven't listened to the past two weeks' messages, I think there's something that's just fresh. It's fresh for me anyways. And I encourage you to catch up to speed with us. This is just the third message in the series. Let me give you a bird's eye view of the purpose of the book. A couple of statements here. Number one, uh, the purpose of the book is to understand that the Bible, the Word of God, is the foundational text for spiritual formation and for transformation. And we're just going to unpack that as we go. Uh, number two, we are div- we are this book is developed to invite us into a deeper and more authentic life with God. So not only is the book that Richard Foster written to invite us into a more authentic life with God, but primarily the scriptures, the Bible, the written living word of God has been given to humanity to invite us into what he calls the Emmanuel principle, learning how to live life with God, day in and day out. And this is one of my favorite statements. The purpose of the knowledge of the word is that you and I may have life, which the scripture calls life indeed. Indeed life indeed. That's found out of 1 Timothy 6, verse 19. We're going to talk about that life indeed today. And so that we may be also invited into ongoing discipleship to Jesus in such a way that our hearts and minds are progressively transformed into the very heart and the very mind of God. Now that right there is An incredible statement. Essentially what he is saying is that through the grace that is on the disciplines, that through the living word of God, that God actually invites us to become partakers, sharers. He invites us to join in the very character, in the very mindset, in the very thought processes of God himself. Talk about living a supernatural spiritual life life. God invites us to join his very nature, and he does that. Part of the way he does that is by inviting us to himself through his words. All right, let's just let's just run. Let's set the track, and let's run. I'm taking this actually out of the preface of the book, and there's a section in the preface called The Hidden Reservoir. Let me make a couple of statements. It says, as we allow the scripture to lead us into the process of transformation— we discover that it is not a matter of simply religious beliefs and behavior. See, if we're not careful, church and Christianity and life and faith will reduce that to having the right beliefs, so moralism, or having the right behavior, so external religious uh, actions. And and if we're, and if honestly, those things produce death. Those things are hollow, and they're, they're shallow, they're empty. And I think there's an entire generation, young and old, that is revolting from simple moralism and good works. I think there are people on the earth that have been hanging out in church structures for years that are hungry for life, and they're hungry for the life of God. It says, we are entering into this death dynamic, pulsating life of God. Now, there's two types of life in the scriptures. There's the physical life, indicated by the word in the Greek called bios, where we get the word biology, and there's spiritual life, and that word is called zoe. So two types of life, very simple. There's a biological, physical, natural, human life, and then there's what we call zoe. Zoe is a fascinating Word. Zoe is what God injected into your very being that translated you out of darkness and put you into light. Zoe is the reason why Jesus came. Zoe is the thing that pushes back against demonic forces of the enemy that try to rob you of life. Zoe is the God kind of life. It is the God quality of life. It's the essence and the nature of who God is. It's not just biological life like an animal or a plant has. It is that part of God that makes him completely God. It's Zoe. Spiritual eternal life. And we all know the scripture. We can quote it pretty well. Most of us can hear. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That is his purpose. That is his mission statement. He's happier when marriages are ruined. He is happier and satisfied when children become wayward and get involved with things that destroy their lives. He's happier when churches implode and they're filled with demonic spirits of division and lethargy. But Jesus says, I have come. The reason why I have come is so that you may enjoy and experience and be baptized into the God quality of life so that the the red matter of eternal life infiltrates your thinking, it infiltrates your joy, it infiltrates your emotions and produces the very nature of God inside of you as a human. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. The God quality Zoe life entering into us is a miracle. Now there's also two types of death. There is a physical death and there's a spiritual death. So two types of life, bios, natural, physical life, zoe, eternal, spiritual, God, quality of life, two types of death, physical death. Scripture says in Hebrews 9, I believe it's Hebrews nine twenty seven. it says it is appointed unto man once to die. And then after this, the judgment. So every one of us will experience death physically every single human person will experience physical death. Now, the thing that we're concerned about here is that other type of death, and that's called a spiritual death. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis, and we're gonna, I don't, I don't really have the time to do this justice, so I'm gonna gloss over this. I'm gonna talk with you about this death and this life, and the purpose of that is to help us understand that in the words of God, there is, we find the life of God in the words of God. So the thesis today is very simple. The thesis very simply is, is, in the written word of God, we discover the living life of God to the degree that the words of God bring us to God himself. So we never want the words of God to be a substitute for God. We want the words of God to lead us into the heart of God where we find life. life, The God quality of life. So, again, referencing last week, when we make the scriptures just formulaic to our most pressing need, what we do is we don't necessarily find the God quality of life, we find breadcrumbs to that, but we stop with the breadcrumbs instead of allowing those breadcrumbs to take us to the feasting table. All right. Genesis chapter two. Thank you for that, Aaron Anderson. I love that. Just, I'm so encouraged now. All right. Genesis two, look at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. So let me just back up here for those of you who are not familiar with the story. This is a story of our beginning. This is God in the creation account. All of Genesis 1 is God creating the earth. Genesis 2 begins with him creating what I call the apex of his creative energy is now culminated in man. It is the height of his creative action in work. It's you and me, mankind. And then in the middle of this incredible paradise garden, he sets us and there's two trees, a tree of knowledge of good and evil and there's a tree of life. And any time that we go to the word, this becomes a really great litmus test for you. The question you can ask yourself is, as I go to the words of God, am I eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Which very simply is just, uh, it's, it's, just it's just the tree of, of knowledge, religion, good works, belief systems, doctrine, things of that matter, things that, that, as the scriptures say, puff up our own self, or am I partaking of the tree of life? Am I coming to the words of God that lead me to the heart of God, which produces the life of God? Now, here's what God says to man He says, If you eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. It's a really interesting rendering of the Hebrew language there. He uses the word for death twice. If you look at the Hebrew, you can pull up blueletterbible.org, and what you'll see is you'll see at the end of that phrase, you'll see "Mote, mote," which is death, death. In other words, he says, if you transgress this, if you choose to take matters into your own hands, if you, if you choose to substitute uh, soulish human wisdom for the God quality of life, is this, is this connecting with everyone if you choose to substitute religious doctrine and moralism and good behavior right and wrong letter of the law if you choose to substitute that for the god quality of life which can only be experienced relationally in intimacy if you choose to substitute that here's what he says you will die die here's what this means a lot of translators say it would be best rendered in dying you will die. In other words, in, in, you, will, you will release into your physical man death, which will be dying. But you will also immediately, because you're cut off from the life source, in dying, you will certainly die. So physically, you are dying. Spiritually, you're dead the moment you are disconnected from God. That's what God was communicating to Adam. Now, it's really interesting. I've never seen this before. Look with me at Genesis 3. We'll begin in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the f- fruit of the tree, which is the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, she added that. Lest you die, lest you die. Now, she didn't say, die, die. All she simply recounted back to the serpent was, God said that if I touch this tree, that I'm going to fall down dead. That's, that's essentially what she was communicating. That's not what God said. God was saying, you don't understand the implications of disobedience, Even at the onset, oh, I'm feeling like there's just a stream of revelation flowing right now. This is so deep in the human nature. Think about this. We're always wanting to know what we can get away with. We're always wanting to know, is, is, is the result going to be short term or is it something that I can sustain over a period of time? Here's what God was saying. You don't understand that the moment you choose to, to walk away from life with me, you will die, but it won't be a dying that you recognize immediately because you'll be in the process of dying. And so she said, well, really, the, the, you know, the big deal here is that if, if, if we touch the pot, we're going to die. We're gonna fall down dead. And watch what the enemy does. In the context here, it's interesting that Genesis 3 1 says, the serpent was more crafty and cunning and skillful than any other creature. And he says right here, verse 4, and the serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die. You're not gonna fall down dead what he what he withheld from her what he withheld because he knew what god said what he withheld from her was that yes you will experience death your relationships will die and he's just loving this your joy will dissipate your hope will 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 wither The way that you relate to God will be radically altered. You'll no longer see him for who he is. I'm going to make you want to run from him. But hey, hey, guess what? Guess what? You're not going to fall down dead, so it's not that big of a deal. Hey, just take a hit, because you're not going to fall down dead. You can handle this. Just try it once, because you're not going to die immediately. Short term, long term. In that little statement that God was saying, if you eat of this tree, if you choose to substitute me for all of these other man-made approaches to me, here's what God is saying. There will be, oh, he, essentially, and you don't really understand this, Adam, you can't get this, but all of humanity will be affected and infected with a dying. All of humanity. Go to Romans 5 with me if you would. By the way, we're gonna we're just gonna we're gonna walk through slowly through Romans five at some point next year as God teaches us about grace. God has some nuggets of grace to teach us that I think are gonna change our lives, and um, I, I'm I, I'm getting so excited. Let's look at Romans chapter five, and we'll begin at verse ten. See, we have to understand that it is possible to be physically alive, but spiritually dead. Most of the people that we interact interact with, they are physically alive. But spiritually, their connection to God is dead. Their pipeline to the presence of God's spirit is dead. This is why what we said in Ephesians 3 this morning is so important because the death or the deadness, the quality of dying in their spirit prohibits them from engaging the love of God. Our soul is not the primary interaction place where God chooses to interact with us. It's our spirit. But you can be physically alive and spiritually dead. Romans 5, we're gonna begin in verse 10. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his Zoe. How are we saved? We are saved by the God quality of life. Let's just keep reading verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, who is that one man? And death through sin. See, death is very simply the result or the fruit, the byproduct of sin. Sin, which was that willful trespass and transgression against the character, the wisdom, the beauty, the goodness, the love of God. Sin entered the world by one man's decision. Death is the byproduct. And so death spread to all men because all sin. Let's skip down to verse 17, chapter five. For if... By the transgression or the the sin of one, death reigned through the one. That's amazing. Essentially, what he is saying that by one man's decision, all of humanity was infected with the virus of sin in the hard drive of their hearts. I like using this example when I talk with people that don't know Christ. Works really well with computers. If I've got if I got a hard drive, it's infected with a virus. I put a USB in, I pull it out, I give it to yours. You're infected with that virus. That's what happened in the hard drive of the heart of humanity. We were infected with the virus of sin. Death reigned as a result in all of humanity. But watch this, pay attention in the scriptures when you hear phrases like much more or how much more, how much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Christ Jesus. Verse 18, So then as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation. How many of you guys have ever felt condemned? Religion, religious structures, religious doctrine, religious moralism, the fruit of that, the end road of that is always condemnation. I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough, right? So essentially he's saying the fruit of that condemnation is drawn from sin. As through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted, look at this phrase, justification of life. The NIV says justification and life. So one man's sin resulted in death for all of humanity. One man, Christ Jesus, one man's obedience as a son. Jesus did not obey the father as an orphan slave, obligated out of some twisted sense of duty. Jesus obeyed the father as a son deeply in love with the father. And as a result of that deep love with the father, his one act of righteousness now results in life. Zoe, available for all of humanity. The God quality of life is available for you and for me. That's what salvation is all about. I think it's a little bit more attractive to stand up here and say that there is a quality of life that is available for us in Christ Jesus and knowing his heart and knowing his ways and knowing his mind, that's available for you. I think that's way more attractive than saying, you're gonna go to hell if you don't believe the way we believe. (laughs) Not making light of eternal judgment. But I'm talking about what is the motivation? Because that's still a fear-based motivation. The motivation here is that there, the motivation for why God sent a son is that there is a quality of life that always belonged to you, that was taken from you, that has now returned to you in the life of God's son. You were born for more. There's more possible. The potential for the God quality of life in your life is there and has always been there. Let me just make this one statement. And we'll just, we'll, we'll tease this out next week. Why is reading the word, why is, why is the, the discipline of the word of God empowered by the grace of God? Why is it so important? It's very simple. I'll just say this and we'll be done. There is a principle of death that is in you. It's in you, it's in me. It stems from the fall. The words of God that lead to the life of God help us to discern life from death. They help us choose life. They help us find the life of God. The God quality of life that is available, the words of God lead to it. They lead to it. One of our cornerstone verses for this series is found in John 5. Let's close by looking at John 5, 39 and 40. Boy, it gets really hot in here when you turn that air down, doesn't it? John five thirty nine, Jesus says, he's talking to religious leaders. And when I say religious leaders, I'm talking about people who have chosen to substitute, substitute written words for living word. All right? They committed what we call bibliolatry. And this is, what, this is the definition of bibliolatry. Look right here. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Eternal life is not in the physical pages or in the memorization of concepts and principles. This is what it is. This is what he says. You think that because you know this better than anybody else and you can recite it better than anybody else, you think that, you think eternal life is in that. It's not. It is these that testify about me. They lead to me, they agree, they witness, they point, they guide you to me. Look at the next verse. And you are unwilling to come to me. It is very possible to read this and never come to Jesus. It is very possible to study this and memorize this and never come to the author of life. The word of life, that's his name. Jesus is the word of life, the living word. It's very possible to read the written word and to never encounter the living word. So why are we saying all of this? Number one, there is a principle of death that is at work inside of us. There is a principle of life that is available to us. And the words of life help us to discover the God quality of life. So that from the inside out, don't miss this, I'm done. From the inside out, we may experience the God quality of life that helps us choose life and not death. Let's all stand. I think I had like five closes there. Let's just posture our hearts in a place of thanksgiving. Father, we just thank you that you made life available to us life, the God quality of life that we don't have to reduce ourselves to the very best life that this world has to offer. The very best life that this world has to offer does not compare to the God quality of life. The quality of life that comes from living in love with you and knowing your voice and experiencing your heart pulsating within our very being, God. As children we get to know your heart as children, we, we we get special privilege and access to you. As children, we get to stay close to you and you get to train us unto righteousness, not a righteousness that is divorced from you. Now, if you're here today and you would say, you know.